Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read the first seven verses and then we're going to actually look at 8 through 13. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll read that. And um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says this, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality and apt to teach. This is not given to wine, no striker, no greedy of filthy lucre but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. It says, one that ruleth his, well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for what the declaration that, that Paul gave to Timothy. And may we, may we add it to this church and may we be what we need to be. And I thank you for the people that are here tonight. Just be with them as we go through all this tonight. Everything will run smoothly and that, that people will see Christ through us. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at the pastoral um, application here, there are 16 things that it says a pastor needs to be. And um, don't underestimate all those. Every one of them really means a lot. But I wanted you to look at the next, um, the next verse. It says, likewise. Um, it's going into um, likewise, meaning it's referring back to those it's talking about. Now it's going to refer, of course, the word bishop is a word that we use for pastor or preacher. But then it comes in with the deacons, and the deacons were brought into this, and, and so the deacons, it tells you what they need to do. And there's, there's nine things listed for them, but then there's also some for the wives in there, too. There's one verse for the wives, so you've got to kind of watch that. That's verse 11. Um, as it goes through, I want you to look at verse number 8. It says, Likewise must the deacons be grave. It says, Not double-tongued, not given to too much wine, not get greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience, and let these also first be approved. Then let them, them use the office of the deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. There's nine things found in these. We're going to go through these really quick. I want you to see this. Before we do that, we're also looking at trustees. And trustees are not found in the Bible. They're found in our, in our church constitution, and they're found in most, most constitutions when it comes to a church. But I just want to read what, the, what our church constitution says about trustees. It says, The church shall elect not fewer than three men to serve as trustees. The pastor shall determine the number needed to serve in the capacity. They will serve for a period of one year and may be reelected at the annual business meeting, which is tonight. But the last part says this, The trustees shall hold in trust all property of the church. The trustees at the direction of the church shall represent the church in all legal business matters. The trustees shall be the duly elected officers of the corporation, shall serve until their successors are elected or they are dismissed from their office. The trustees shall also assist the pastor and deacon in the physical care of all church property and serve as advisors to the pastor. Because this church accepts the scriptures as final authority rather than a tradition, the office of trustees shall not in any way be taken to mean authority over the church or the pastor. And thank God we don't have people like that. I've been in churches where people try to take over, and that's, that's not a good thing. So that's what our church constitution says. I did not write it. I just read it, okay? And so I want you to look at these nine characteristics tonight. Before we get started, how many of you ever had a, a bad day? 
Anybody ever have a bad day? Okay. I've had about two bad days, all right, right in a row. And I want to clarify some things. So Peter Rich is not taking any hit on this. I don't know if you drive by my house. Um, he did not mow my grass. I did. I, fit, I looked at the tire. I didn't think it was flat. I lose all perception of where I'm doing. I take a prayer list with me and I've got it there and I'm praying and praying and praying. And apparently the, the tire was flat. How many of you noticed the yard over there? Be honest with me. Raise your hand. Okay. Um, I tried to fix it. Can't fix it. That's just going to have to grow out and then everything will be okay. But I don't want you to go to Peter and go, what on earth did you do to that property? How many, raise your hand one more time if you saw it. All right. Now you'll see it when you go home. There's no way you'll miss it. Okay. And I wasn't even paying attention. I was just praying over things, just driving that lawnmower. And I looked down. I was like, what in the world just happened? And so I was going to let Peter take the blunt of it, but I'm not going to do that. So Peter did not do that. I did that. He told me what was wrong. I thought I fixed it. And I apparently did not fix it. So Denver told me it would grow out in a week. I think it's going to take two or three weeks for it to grow out, but it will look better as you drive down our lane. So um, that was one of the things I did wrong. I also slept with the doors unlocked. And then this, this afternoon after I got out of church, I um, got in my car and said, I will go to um, Food City. And I got over there and I got, a bunch, I got about 15 things, put them on the thing, and they started sliding them through. And then I reached back to pay and I realized I did not have my wallet. And how many of you know what the E.F. Hutton, have you ever remember those old commercials E.F. Hutton says when he speaks, everybody listens. And so I told the guy, I said, don't do that anymore. I, I, don't, have my, I don't have my wallet on, on, in my hands. And he, and he just kept ringing him. And I told him, don't do that again. And, and the guy, the bag boy heard me, but was not telling the guy doing the cash register. And I was like, don't do that. And finally he goes, what? I said, I don't have my wallet. And it got real quiet and everybody looked at me. And I was like, oh no. And so I said, I'll be right back. And I'd be, I'll be honest with you, when I drove home, on the way home, I was thinking, you know, I probably should not go back. <laughs> But I went back, and when I got in there, there was two guys, and they were both laughing at me when I came back in. I said, it's just been one of those days. So, you know, we're going to have one of those days. I've had a couple of those days, but, you know, the Lord's good. He teaches you along the way. And it opened up an opportunity for me to invite him to church. And I don't know if he would come, because I looked like I was a crazy man when I, when I did all this, but I um, invited both of them to church, and hopefully maybe they'll come someday when they get over the shock of what I did when I was over there. So... Um, I know how I feel when people do that, and I know how I felt when I was doing it. So um, let's just get right back to this, and I just want to tell you sometimes you just have those days, all right? But let's look at some of these things. There's nine of them. We'll go through them pretty quick. It says, likewise, must the deacons be grave. The word grave means a man of dignity. Um, it's not the word that we would use, but it's, it's the, the terminology means somebody that has dignity in them, somebody that people know. The next part says not double-tongued. What does that mean? You watch what you say. You don't say one to, one, one to another. If you're double-tongued in any sense, and, and don't just say, okay, this is for the deacons. Really, it's good for everybody, right? We've got to watch what we say and who we are. And here he's saying not double-tongued. Now, he's going to be very particular with this because he's talking to Timothy, and he doesn't want Timothy to put people in in charge of the church that could do certain things. And could hurt the church. And he says, listen, they can't be double-tongued. Then it says this, not given to much wine. I don't think we should have to worry about that. All right? And then it goes, not greedy of filthy lucre. In other words, that they're, they're doing this because there were people and there are churches that's all about the money. And here he says, that you don't want somebody like that. 
I have met people that have been in occupations that come to your church. And let's say, I'll give you an example. We had a guy that was a painter. He came to our church and he got everybody in the church to, to get, do paint. He, he did painting for him. And once he was done with everybody in the church, he left. He went to another church, did the same thing. In a matter of 13 years when I was in Statesville, this man went to four different churches, did the same thing. And this is basically what it's talking about there. It's not about that, the money. It says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. This is just basically saying he has to be a saved person. He has to be a saved person. It's that mystery with a pure conscience. In other words, they have to know that if something were to happen to them, where they would spend eternity. They have to hold it with a clear conscience and a good testimony is what he's saying. He said it's very important that these men do this because people will be watching them. That's the fifth one. The sixth one says this, and let these also first be proved. What this is referring to, it goes back, go back to the, the pastor up at the top, and there's a word in here that, that it says in here, it says a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, given to hospitality, apt to teach. And then it says one that ruleth his own, I'm looking for the one. Oh, in verse number six, it says not a novice. Not a novice, in other words, somebody that just comes on the scene and then all of a sudden they're a deacon. That's not what, that, that's not what you need. You need to have somebody that has a heart for the church. And I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. But as I look at this, these verses, God is clearly stating through Paul to tell Timothy, a young preacher, what he needs to look for. He says in the same verse, he says, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Here's that word, blameless. Um, I've met some deacons in churches that are not blameless. And I've met some that fit in these other ones. And you're always going to get problems when you have people like that. The people look and they know what's going on and, and, and it just causes turmoil. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. That's why you have to do this. Now, ladies that, that are deacons' wives, look at verse 11. That's strictly for you. It says this, it says, even so must their wives be grave. Women of dignity. It also says not slanderers. I can't tell you how many people I've known in ministry that their wives have hurt them extremely. They, they, they can't be quiet. They, they, they're, they're always on the attack, always wanting to know things. You know what? I'm thankful for my wife that she's not like that. I'm thankful that I don't have to deal with that with her. I've never had to correct her on it. She just knows it. She knows what she's supposed to do. And ladies, we're supposed to be at not slanders, sober. Now, this is not talking about alcohol here. It's to be alert around you. If someone has a need, find out what it is, and we'll go after it. I will tell you, that some, you don't understand this, but I was talking to Daniel about this, but our deacons do a lot here. You might not think they do, but I'm telling you, they do more than most deacons. The deacons here don't even know that. But I'm telling you, as I look at some of my ministries I've worked at and some people that I've worked under, I didn't even know who the deacons were at my first two churches. Do you know how many deacons I had in Cal they had in California? A hundred. There's a church running 2,700. We had a hundred deacons. I didn't know who they were. I never went to a meeting, didn't know who they were. But, you know, I, I knew who two or three of them were because they were the ones that would get up and moderate certain things, but I didn't know very much about them. But here, it's saying here, it says, in this, it says, in the ladies, it says, even so must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober. And then this last part is very important. Faithful. Now, this is a 
whole blanket policy in all things. What does that mean? It means faithful in all things. It's talking about just your faithfulness has to be there. Even with the trustees' wives, their faithfulness has to be there. They have to have a heart for the church. If you do not have a heart for the church, for a trustee or a deacon, you're in, we're in trouble. You know, there's been times where the deacons here have helped me. There's been times when I've been in deacons' meetings and we agree on everything. And then there's been times when we don't agree on everything. But you know what? That's people just working together. Now watch this last part. It gives you two more things for the deacons. We went through seven. Let's go through them real quick. Again, the first one, be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and the pure conscience, and let those also be proved um, and blameless. And then it says in verse number 12, it says, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And that's not, that's, that's not an issue here. It says, ruling their children in their own houses well. In other words, they have to, when their kids are in, in the home, they have to control their kids. And most of our deacons in here don't have kids. I don't think any of our, kids, our deacons have kids in their home. But when they did have kids in their home, that was something that they looked at. That's what he said. He said, because if you can't control your home, guess what? You're not going to be able to control the church. And so it's very important that we do this. But I wanted to bring up one verse for you, and I want you to look at it. It's the one we kind of overlook when we go through this, and it's the next verse. Look what it says. For they have used the office of the deacon, well purchased to themselves, a good degree, and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Look at the first part. It says, for they that have used the office of, of deacon well, well purchased to themselves a good degree. It's saying, listen, if you do this right, it's a good thing. It is a good thing to be a deacon. And it's not, if you're not a deacon in here, I'm not running you down, but it's just saying, if you've got this under control, it's a good thing. But watch the last part, and this is what I really want to talk to you about. It says, and great boldness in the faith. What our church needs is great boldness. We need to talk to others about what Christ has done for us. We need to witness to other people. We need to tell them what Christ has done. We need to have that great boldness. What is the biggest thing that holds people back from talking about the Lord? Fear. Right? Fear is the biggest thing that holds people back. Well, why are you talking about this? Because here he's saying in this verse, he says, and great boldness in the faith. It wasn't easy for any of these people to stand. Sometimes I relate more to Peter when he denied Christ than I do of Peter when he stood for Christ. Because there's so many times God says, hey, go talk to this person, go do that. And I go do it. But sometimes there's that fear of what they would say. And what is someone going to probably say to you? No, I don't want to hear that. And we, we're scared over, no, I don't want to hear that. But the Bible says in, in this, when, when Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, listen, and great boldness in the faith. And then he tells you where it's from. Look what it says. It says, which is in Christ Jesus. Your faith has to be so bold when it comes to Christ that you're able to talk and you're able to share that witness because people are counting on you. I, I, I re, re, go back to the story of the two guys that were in my cashiers. I could have just walked out and never said anything to them. But I guarantee you they would remember me with what I did. And so, although I felt awkward, God gave me an opportunity to talk to them. They won't forget what I did. If they ever were to come, they'd probably say, you're the preacher that forgot everything when he came over there. Yeah, I was. But as we look at this, 
God always gives us opportunity. And we can look at it and say, oh man, it's embarrassing. Some things happen in your life that are embarrassing and you don't want to talk about them. But God always gives you places and people, places to go and people to see. I challenged my class this morning when they were, we were talking about um, witnessing to people. And I challenged my class to just look around if you think everybody goes to church. I went from directly from here over to the grocery store. And I saw one person that I thought went to church out of 100. They were all over. They were buying barbecue stuff. They were buying ice. They were buying um, charcoal. They were buying all this other stuff. I wasn't buying anything because I didn't have my wallet, but everybody else was buying things. And when I look at it, I thought, man, these people might say they go to church, but they don't. They say that they've got Christ in their heart, but their actions are not backing it up. And so as a deacon, when, it, when, when you look at this and, and the people that we're going to look at in just a second, and we're going to talk about, the, the, of course, the budget. But it says in this, it says in verse number 13, for they, ha- they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree. I appreciate the men that are willing to work in this church, and they put many hours in it. And, but the second part is the main focus I really want you to look back at. It says, and great boldness in the faith. Do we have that? Do you have it? You know, I, I find being in the ministry for so long that sometimes it's just natural. You know, I've done this so long, done this, I can just do this. And, but you know, that's not what I want. Today, I was, I was um, my wife called me and told me something, and I didn't really know what had happened. And it really hit home to me. Um, I sang on two singing groups. And the, the last part, the last year I sang in a singing group, there was a man that was in charge of that singing group, a guy that was in the college. He was two years younger than me. And good man. And probably I would not be standing here if it wasn't for him. He was two years younger than me, but he took a stand and he did what was right, and he was my friend. And I got a message from my wife that said that he had passed away. Fifty years old. He'd been in ministry for over 20 years. And then you get that phone call, and, and it was like, what? And, and I just sat there, and I just really cried because I thought, Man, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am. Because, see, I don't know if you've heard my testimony all the way across the board, but there was a time when I wanted to, I was with the wrong crowd, and I had said, I don't need to be on the, have better friends. And he was the first one that accepted me as his friend. And I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm just talking about him being my friend. And so I remember him talking with me, and he had a smile that was contagious. He was always a spiritual giant in my life. And then to know how short life is. His brother, I think I might have even shared this with you, his brother was in a car wreck. There a deer got in front of him and he swerved, hit a tree. He's legally blind now and he was in a, in a coma for almost four months. His dad had just passed away and you just, you're just, he's just ravaged with all these things in his family. But why I'm saying this to you is life is short. We need to move forward. I, I'm at the age now where I have to figure out how old I am. Do you ever, anybody ever ask you your age and you have to go, okay, I'm that old. I'm that way because life is going by so fast. And my point is this, this church needs to move forward. We need to pray for leaders in the church. We need to pray for their wives. We need to pray for the trustees, their wives. Sunday school teachers, we need to pray for. Because we are a family. And we look at this and we go, wow, this is just, 
it's difficult sometimes because sometimes we don't get along. But you know what? We're people. We still should pray for each other. We've got to, we've got to do what's right with this. And when, when it comes to deacons and trustees, don't take this lightly. Don't take the budget lightly. I don't care if you ask questions. Just don't ask me. Ask the people that are getting up here, okay? I don't care if you ask questions. You need to ask questions. But, you know, I, I want to end it with this. There's, there's a lot of people in this room that need prayer. I just wrote some down today, and, and I was just thinking about this. Priscilla is going through some things with her feet that we need to pray over. Ray's sister and some of his friends we need to pray over. We got over here, we got Jim and Rosemary. They just got back from missing so much because of this, this illness that they've had. Um, Marie Dankmeyer had surgery this week. We need to pray for her. Um, Rich Wagner, you don't know who he is? He's not related to me, okay? He is Darlene's um, son-in-law that had the, I don't even know if I shared this. Do, do a lot of people know what's going on with him? Okay, he had that, uh, I always forget that thing, the, the saying. He had shingles in his eyes, but he also had it on his forehead and on his neck. You know, you need to pray for him. He's out in, in Las Vegas. We need to pray for him. Autumn, Peter's daughter, we need to pray for. Um, Randy in Peru, we need to pray for. Doug Shoup getting over what he's, he just went through, a major surgery. And Linda Eads, I found this out today. Linda Eads fell down and cracked, cracked two ribs and had a concussion. And so we need to keep her in your prayers. There's two people in here that have health ailments that I'm not at liberty to tell you what they are. But we all have prayer requests. That's what a church does, is we pray for them. The two people I'm talking about are in this auditorium right now. And we just need to pray over them. Um, I, and I think of the Mosiers as they're going through this thing with, with their dad. It's not an easy thing. But that's what a church does. But we've got to go back to these offices that the church needs. Deacons and, and trustees are very important. But we've got to do it in decently and in order. And, I, and I'm so thankful for these men and their wives. I'm thankful for the whole church. There's other people that I could consider to do some other things, but, you know, it's just not the time to do that. But I appreciate your faithfulness. I appreciate your, your time that you're here. I appreciate the church and everything that you've done for me. And I'm thankful for these men and women that, that want to work alongside. The, the two, that before he gets up here, the two that are new for the trustees are Peter Rich and Ray Adams. The two new deacons that we're looking at are Alan Cowden and Josh McCann. And so I brought Josh in so we'd have some younger people in there, okay? Amen. But I'm excited about what the Lord has in store for us. We need to make sure we pray for these people. So here's what we're going to do, a different invitation. If I could have just, if you could come on, I'll have him play really quick. Jump up here and just play one, one verse. And while he's playing this one verse, I just want you to sit at your pew. And I'm going to give you these names again. Pick two of these people. And pray over them. Priscilla, would you like prayer? Yes. Absolutely. Ray, you need some prayer, amen? We need to pray over him. Uh, and, and I will tell you this, as a pastor of this church, I am totally confused sometimes about prayer requests for you. I have people that tell me not that, to pray for them, but don't tell the church. And then I have others that I don't know if they want me to share it with the church. And so I, I'm kind of shocked with some things. I'm like, okay, I don't know who I'm supposed to tell about prayer requests. But I want you to know that we need to pray over each other, okay? So here's the names again that you need to pray over. Pray for um, Marie Dankmeyer. We, she needs our prayers. She's got one more, I think she has one more um, surgery that she has to go through. Pray for Rich Wagner. Um, does he, is he done or is he just waiting to see what the doctors say? 
Okay, so keep him in your prayers. Um, how old is he, Darlene? 50. All right, so keep him in your prayers. Ray and Priscilla, Jim and Rosemary, um, Autumn, um, Randy, Doug Shoup, Linda Eads, and Jack Mosier. So what we're going to do is I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And for about a minute, I want you to just pray over these people. And if you have other prayer requests, just pray for them. That's what a church is all about. You know, it's about organization of deacons, trustees, Sunday school teachers, workers, all the way across the board. But one of the biggest things we can do as a church is just pray for each other. How many of you in here have an unspoken? Would you raise your hand? All over the auditorium. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I think of this time that we have about a minute. Well, we can take uplift these names, and I think of the two that are in here that are not doing well, and, 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 I, and I think of them, with their, what they're going through. Give the doctors wisdom on their behalf. And it's not our job to figure out who they are. It's just our job to pray for them. I think of Ray and Priscilla as they're going through certain things. And I know Linda would appreciate our prayers with the pain that's going on through her and Doug as he gets through this surgery and that everything will go well. And Randy as he's over in another country. And Rich as he's trying to go back to work this week. And Marie as she's trying to get this thing all settled with her, with her surgery. Lord, I think of Autumn with the things that she's went through. And I think of Jack Mosier. Lord, just be with all these. And as we as a church sit down and we pray over these things and these people, May we truly understand that you have something great for us. Lord, thank you for the, the, the um, qualifications for the deacons and thank you for the qualifications of the bishop. Lord, thank you for these men that are willing to do this and help me through this. And thank you for the men that are willing to do on the trustee side. Lord, it's not an easy job on, on any sort, but Lord, it's what you've called us to do and may we move forward to it. May we see God work in a miraculous way, a wonderful way. Lord, may we be the servants that you need us to be. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name.